All right. Um, thank you, everyone, for uh, joining us today. And, and just introduce myself again. My name is Brad Shaker, CEO and co-founder of CB2 Insights. Uh, CB2 Insights is a publicly traded company uh, trading on the CSC uh, and the ticker symbol CBII and in the U.S. on the QB under CBIIF. Uh, CB2 Insights is a healthcare technology, uh, healthcare services and technology company. Uh, we are a U.S.-focused operation. Um, and let me just go ahead and move to the slides where I can start to talk a little bit more about the background of the company. Um, Josh, do you mind if you skip down two slides, please? Thank you. Uh, so just as a high level, I'll make a quick introduction about the business. Um, CB2 today owns and operates a virtual telehealth platform uh, in the US along with over 30 physical brick and mortar clinics that are spread across 12 states. Collectively with our telehealth platform and our physical clinics, we service over 110,000 patients every year. Um, as a company, we are revenue generating. Uh, in 2019, we generated over $13.7 million. And moving into 2020, we continue to see growth uh, as we have in the years before. Uh, 2019 was really an inflection year for us as an organization as we continue to focus our business on bottom line profitability. Uh, moving into 2020, we were able to realize that major inflection point with the first, with second quarter in 2020, leading to a full quarter of profitability uh, and positive cash flow and a trend that has continued on since then. Um, today, as an organization, we are well positioned to be able to maximize that growth with uh, cash on hand, and we'll look forward to continue to grow in line with our acquisition and organic-based growth model. So as an overview, as I mentioned, CB2 Insights, we are a healthcare services and technology company. Um, in the U.S., our clinics and our telehealth platform focus on the services around primary care, urgent care, and integrative medicine. What we are building in the U.S. is a national network of healthcare centers that specialize in a multidisciplinary approach to healthcare, which means a multitude of healthcare services, which include primary care, subspecialties, allied medicine, as well as laboratory and diagnostic centers, all under one roof for patients across the United States. Our company's mission is to increase the access to accessible and affordable healthcare uh, for all Americans. Uh, Along with our clinical assets, we also own and operate a proprietary technology platform that today allows us to both use the technology within our clinics to optimize efficient workflows, to be able to improve patient care, and also has a virtual telehealth platform that has been built within it that since COVID-19 has really enabled us to bolster growth of access to patients via telehealth in coordination with our brick and mortar physical clinics. We are a team that has infrastructure within the U.S. today. We have over 155 employees spread across our 13 states, over 50 healthcare providers that service our 110,000 patients. And as founders, both me and my co-founder have over 20 years each experience in the clinical practice management industry. We can move to the next slide, Josh. Um, as I've already covered some of these, I'll just highlight some of these points again. Um, again, reaching our financial inflection point uh, in Q2 this year, we are now very much focused on aggressive revenue growth. We recently com completed a few weeks ago an oversubscribed private placement round uh, of 5.13. Uh, we went out with about 3 million, saw over 6 million in demand, and we're happy to accept the cash that we took as we are now focused on putting that money to work, both in terms of organic growth as well as through a proven strategy of growth by acquisition. The U.S. healthcare space, which I'll speak to in just a minute, is, is well known for its fragmentation. Um, there are, at any given point, well over 200 clinical deals available in the marketplace, 
And what we have been able to show is that our ability to identify these targets at very attractive multiples create both accretive revenue and profitability, but also economy of scale and economy of growth via revenue. Uh, we also will talk a little bit about a secondary focus that we have in data um, and also our total addressable market. We can move to the next slide, Josh. Thank you. So I'll talk a little bit about our US-focused business, why the US and why we think this is an exciting opportunity today more than ever. So there are three reasons why we as an organization have decided to stay focused in the US market. Again, with over 20 years each in clinical practice management, both my co-founder and I have run large multidisciplinary health centers on both north and south of the border. In running medical practices in Canada, one of the biggest issues we face is profitability, something we do not see within the US market, uh, issues of profitability, I should say. The ability for physicians to get paid on a revenue share basis in Canada allow for doctors in Canada to take anywhere from 70 to 90% of the revenue generated from a medical practice, which leaves the clinic with anywhere from about 10 to 30% gross margins, upon which you then have to pay your bills, whether it be uh, staffing, rent, technology. So if you're generating any kind of margin at all in a Canadian outpatient medical clinic, you're lucky. The difference in the US market is that we salary our providers. We're not actually allowed to pay our doctors on rev share. So this makes it far easier for us to contain their time and utilize them in a way that helps us maximize our gross margin opportunity, which is why in our business, we see anywhere from about 60 to 70% gross margins. For this reason of profitability alone, you can start to see clinics that are non-efficiently run somewhere between 10 to 15%, and what we establish as efficient clinics to be between 20 to 30% EBITDA margins. So one of the second reasons we like the US market is the payer system. So in Canada, to go see your family doctor, a visit with a family doctor in Canada will earn somewhere between $30 to $50 for a general 15-minute visit consult. Versus the US, we earn typically between $150 to $300 per visit. So for the same block of time, we earn more revenue per patient visit, and we get to keep more of it because we salary our providers. The average primary care patient in the US spends somewhere between $500 to $1,000 a year. And that is going to be our focus as a core of our business, and I'll explain our business model on the next slide. But as we talk about growth, the U.S. presents us a significant amount of depth. We're talking about 300 million patients with complex health systems that create unique opportunities for companies to succeed. One of, our, one of the comparable companies we use, Oak Street Health, which went public this year, for example, just focuses on Medicare patients. Those are patients 65 years and above. That niche alone generates Oak Street over $800 million in revenue a year. So you can see the potential within the U.S. market combined with our management expertise and the fact that we've had over five years of experience on the U.S. clinical practice management side puts us in a position where we can really capitalize on this growth opportunity today. We can go to the next slide, Josh. Our thesis is simple. For years when Cash and I used to run primary care practices, we would always run the clinic around the primary care doctor. And the reason for that is simple. A primary care physician is a gatekeeper of all services. So if you are a physician today and you need to go see any kind of specialist, you go see your doctor, your doctor then refers you to that specialist. So by owning the patient channel via the primary care physician, not only do you have control of the referral channels, but you can actually own those referral channels so you keep all that revenue in-house. So our thesis is this. Build every clinic around a primary care provider, which means have your family doctor at the core of every service. In a multidisciplinary clinic, look at the services offered and build those specialties around those primary care patients. When you have a critical mass number of patients on a per clinic site, you can start to populate your own patient referrals, which means that whether I wanna bring in an allergy immunologist once a week or a cardiologist once a week, 
I can get that specialist filled up with my own patients. And rather than my patients going to a third-party hospital for those services, they stay within the group. And from a patient perspective, it's far more convenient. And from a clinical perspective, your share of member spend can increase significantly. The goal here is really to take a primary care patient who might spend $500 to $1,000 a year and take them to spend up to $10,000 a year by offering a multitude of specialties under a single umbrella. And when you can count millions of patients on your roster, you can see how those revenues start to become extremely attractive and the 20 to 30% EBITDA margin, highly profitable. We focus on both telemedicine and in-clinic visit models, and here's why. When you have the ability to leverage telemedicine, you recognize that 80% of your services that you see a patient for today can be seen by telemedicine. However, it's arguably that 80% of the revenues you can make are seen in clinic, and that's because your in-clinic services tend to be higher revenue opportunities because, quite frankly, you just can't do them by telemedicine. So what we intend to do with the use of technology, as we've always done in the past, is where patient visits do not need to be done in person, save that time slot for the revenue services that are higher revenue opportunities. Service those patients remotely via telemedicine where you can scale your physicians, they don't have to be in the same center, and it offers you an opportunity to really maximize your gross profit margins while allowing the clinics to really focus on the services that can drive those higher revenue opportunities. You can move to the next slide, Josh. Talking about secondary focus on technology and data and research, as I mentioned, we do have our own proprietary technology system. One of the things we wanted to focus on when we first built this company was the ability in the future to contribute towards insights and research. One of the challenges we've had in working with a plethora of electronic health record systems is that although they've been great at digitizing the healthcare experience, they're not very good at optimizing insights, which means they don't structure data in a way that you can pull valuable insights from. We've started building our own technology about five years ago with an in-house development team. We continue to remain, retain some of this talent in-house still. And where we are today is the ability to run our technology within our own clinics, to affect positive change in the clinics by having workflows managed by technology, and the ability to bring technology like telemedicine to light in a very short period of time that allows us to navigate through the various challenges we see in healthcare, but also optimize any opportunities to capture new market share. The technology that we have in the future, we believe will provide access uh, for commercial opportunities with drug companies, payers, et cetera, who in the future will start to look for this type of data to help them with their own products, to help them with marketing, to help them with competitive intelligence, and where most of this information is best contained in a family doctor's office. So we're also gonna be fo focusing on contract research opportunities. Having a base of over 100,000 patients makes us an ideal candidate for drug companies to approach when it comes to recruiting patients to clinical trials. And these opportunities can pay anywhere from $500 to over $5,000 per patient. And so working with a few aggregators in the US, this is something that we'll continue to work on in the background, but we believe that both these opportunities create future value for shareholders while we continue to focus on the core business today. Next slide, Josh, please. So looking forward from where we are today, we're gonna to focus on growth in three key areas where we feel will affect the largest impact to our top line revenue and bottom line profitability. The first is in same service revenue growth. Today, we have roughly 110,000 patients in our roster generating an average of about $150 per year in revenue. Over the next six to 12 months, we're gonna be focusing aggressively on our centers to be able to expand primary care services to these patients. Over 50% of our current patients today have reflected that if we were to offer primary care services, that they would come and roster with us as a primary care patient. 
the goal here, for example, if we were to convert six to 10, about 10% of our patients in the next 12 months, that's approximately 10,000 patients who would have paid 150 bucks or $1.5 million a year, now paying you upwards of $1,000 or $10 million in numbers spent a year, because the majority of that is now covered through health insurers and payers. So by credentialing with each of the insurance companies, offering primary care services, we can start to see immediate revenue growth, even as far as eight to 10 times the current revenue stream on the existing patient base without doing anything else. And that's going to be the lowest hanging fruit that we pursue. The second area for growth is what we call as a disruptive model for the uninsured market population in the U.S. If you're keeping up with the news at all today, one of the largest issues in the U.S. is what happens to the Affordable Care Act if it gets repealed. The U.S. faces a big issue. Patients without health care coverage don't have access due to cost. In the U.S., for a citizen or an American to have access to health care, we have to pay anywhere from $6,000 to $12,000 a year. And that can sometimes bankrupt somebody. We've brought into market a $200 subscription-based model, a flat fee approach for uninsured patients that gives access to patients via telehealth platform to our network of doctors for services that can be conducted by telemedicine, so primarily urgent and acute-based care needs. With about 40 million patients today who don't have any access to health care, this is a highly underserved market that does not cannibalize on our insurable services model. We see this as a great way to optimize the existing infrastructure and generate a new revenue stream. And this will be a focus for us moving forward. And finally is our acquisition deal. Uh, historically, we've been able to prove that with every acquisition we've made, we've been able to grow revenue, improve profitability, and generate economy of scale. There are over 200 clinics at any given point in time in the U.S. that are available for sale primarily due to retirement or in this, these circumstances due to COVID-19. Our ability to identify these clinics at accretive and attractive values, usually between 0.3 to 0.75 times revenue or three to four times EBITDA, allows us to benefit by acquiring these clinics, getting a larger multiple on the market, and being able to synergize these clinics into our existing revenue and profitability stream. Further, what we intend to do with each of these clinics is go back to our thesis, where we take the primary care doctor we're buying and, and instantly start to look at ways we can optimize growth and revenue by starting to add new services, subspecialties, laboratory services, telemedicine around the existing revenue stream. Uh, we have a robust pipeline of over $10 million uh, in deals in the table. The financing that we just raised will be deployed towards the acquisition of these deals in the pipeline. Um, and I can move to the next slide here, Josh, and just give you an example of what some of these deals might look like. So for example, last week, we just closed on our first, on our first acquisition after the financing. There's a group in Texas generating over $1.6 million in revenue, over $300,000 in EBITDA, and the acquisition was for less than a million dollars. This acquisition brought in about 10,000 new patients, an existing revenue stream, an existing infrastructure of doctors within the Texas market. Uh, we're looking at implementing telemedicine to this clinic, enabling access to new patients with the existing infrastructure, and like I said, building on that multi-specialty model around this clinic so that you can start to look at significant growth within the existing revenue of that practice. Um, so similar to the one we just acquired, um, we're quite confident that we'll be looking at uh, following this on with further acquisition news as we continue to work through our due diligence phase with the number of deals in our pipeline today. Uh, we can move on to the next slide, Josh. Um, today, the company uh, trades with about 130 million shares outstanding. We have strong insider ownership. Uh, over 50% ownership combined with insiders, both Cash, myself, and other uh, initial investors, and our institutional capital investors as well. Um, as we look to continue to grow, our focus is going to be on ensuring that our story is resonating well 
uh, especially as the healthcare market continues to see the growth it sees, the challenges in the U.S., and especially with the depth in the U.S. and the opportunity to really bolster revenue growth at a very accelerated pace, uh, we will be focusing on continuing uh, to grow this using our three-prong growth strategy. You can go to the next slide, Josh. Where our company trades today is still significantly uh, below where our comparable peers trade. Um, in Canada, some well-known companies like uh, Cloud and, and Well Health. Uh, in the U.S., we compare ourselves with Oak Street Health and One Medical, both health services companies with technology-based applications. As I mentioned, Oak Street Health that generates over $800 million a year trades at roughly about $11 billion market cap on the NASDAQ. The opportunity for us to significantly accelerate revenue growth while maintaining profitability as a focus, we believe will be attractive factors for new investors. And of course, as we continue to expand our exposure in the U.S. market, that depth will start to reflect as well on our value. But there is a good gap to close that will provide any investor today a good opportunity to realize as we continue to build. Can we move to the next slide, Josh? Our management team is well experienced. As I mentioned, both Cash and myself with significant years of experience in the clinical practice management space. Uh, we also recently brought on some new additions to our team in the US. Pam Galassini joined us as VP of, uh, Senior VP of Business Development. Pam, who spent over uh, 20 years in the uh, pharmacy benefit management space in the US working with Medco, which was later uh, acquired by Express Scripts for uh, as an example of management quality that's joining our team. They are going to be significantly vital as we continue to build our model in the U.S., establish partnerships with health networks, and look to really bolster new patient acquisition into our um, uh, three-prong growth model. Uh, on our board, uh, we're primarily independently led. Um, Mark Adelson, who's currently the chief legal officer of Teladoc, continues to serve on the board today. Uh, Peter Cummins, who is a pre uh, previous um, Johnson & Johnson Research and Development Executive, and Tom Brogan, who is a founder of Brogan Consulting that later became IQVIA today, one of the largest um, a publicly traded research and data technology companies that specializes in commercializing healthcare data to big pharma, and Norton Singhaven, who remains uh, our earliest investor, uh, who continues to remain uh, with the company and on the board. Uh, we can move on, Josh. Um, so with that, I can, I'm happy to close it off and, and put our focus back on our three-prong growth model. Uh, again, growing with, within our existing infrastructure, uh, growing through new service deployment, and growing through acquisition, which we believe we have a healthy, robust pipeline that we continue to build on, um, and we'll continue to look at from a due diligence perspective. Thank you so much. That was a fantastic presentation. We have a question currently around the company's current cash available on hand and also what the company's capital market strategy will look like in the next 12 to 24 months. Sure. Um, so uh, addressing the cash on hand conversation, uh, we, with the last financing raised, the company has uh, roughly about $6.2 million in cash on hand. Um, the company's not burning any capital at the moment as we continue our trend of uh, positive EBITDA and cash flow positive uh, since Q2. Um, our focus on cash deployment at this point will really be on our organic growth strategies. Again, recognizing the opportunities for growth with the existing patient base uh, will not require heavy capital investment. Where we see capital being primarily deployed will be towards advertising on new services, as well as cash being used in the acquisitions where we're looking to acquire these assets at you know, approximately on average half times revenue and, and obviously bringing in some significant revenue and profitability to the existing business. Uh, in terms of capital markets, uh, we don't have any plans at this point to return to the capital markets for capital. We're well cashed up to execute our plan, um, and we'll be looking forward to, uh, to reporting on these results in the coming quarters. Awesome. We also had a question around last week's uh, announced news of the acquisition. Could you speak more about that? 
particularly around when the financials from that company will begin to hit CB2 Insights financials? Yeah, sure. So uh, the Texas clinic that we acquired last week was part of the deal flow that we had in our pipeline prior to the financing being completed and, and is reflective. It's not a one-off situation, as you can see from the previous slide of the, of the acquisition deal pipelines. It's reflective of the type of valuation of the deals that we have available to us. Um, in terms of the financials being reflected, um, the Texas clinic has approximately 10,000 active patients. Uh, they generated last year about $1.6 million in top line revenue and about $300,000 in positive EBITDA. Um, we will look to to aggressively build on that revenue EBITDA. Again, these are family doctor's offices who focused on one thing and one thing only. And we see the opportunity in the very near term to start to layer in services based on our expertise in growing these clinics, where we can convert that existing patient-based revenue um, into other subspecialty uh, opportunities to really expand on that. But given where they are today and the revenue that they're bringing in, which is immediate, uh, we will start to see that reflect uh, in most likely, we close it at the end of Q3. So you'll probably see those financials reflected in Q4. Thank you, Brad. A question lies around, upon acquisition of smaller clinics, are these rebranded from a corporate standpoint, or do they maintain their individual brands prior to the acquisition? Yeah, one of the differentiating factors for what we do is maintaining that community feel of these clinics. The U.S. market is highly corporatized, so the large hospital networks are typically the aggregators of individual clinics, but that creates a challenge as most patients and doctors tend to shy away from the large corporate, especially moving forward because um, they do have their own challenges. So one of the things that we like to do is to obviously maintain that local community feel that built that patient practice up. So we like to keep the brand within the group that we bought. However, there is always a tie back. Um, it is important to mention though that we are also going through a rebranding effort where um, we'll be professionally rebranding the corporation by the end of November. Um, Skylight Health, which is the name of the clinical operation in the US, will be the primary brand under which all of our clinical operations operate in the US, but we'll still maintain that connection to the local brand that we acquired. Thank you. We had a question around sort of the geographies and the states that CB2 plays in. Is there interest in expanding to further states and potentially even beyond the United States as well? Yeah, so the first part, there's absolutely interest to expand to new states. I think pre-COVID, our, our plan was always from an organic growth perspective to build on strengths with the states beside us. Telemedicine has certainly lowered the barriers uh, for access to states in the U.S. So although it's a relatively complex nature of setup, we were well established there already, which allows us the benefit of being able to move within states very easily. Um, when you look at this acquisition pipeline that we have today, um, most of these acquisitions are within states that we don't have. And part of the reason for that is, I mean, it's a land grab. For us, it's, it's really access to as many states and these clinics as possible, attractive uh, uh, sorry, attractive valuations allow us to buy them at really accretive levels. Um, and we're going to look to expand our market share within the same state, but also aggressively within new states. And then utilization of telemedicine to really scale those services and, and generate those higher margin returns. Uh, in terms of outside the United States, like I said, we've got many years of experience, both Canada and the U.S. Um, the U.S. has such large depth and opportunity to generate $100 million, $200 million, $300 million revenue business is not unheard of where most health systems in the U.S. are generating over a billion dollars in revenue each themselves. So I think with that kind of growth opportunity, it's going to be important for us to stay laser focused. We, are, we have a unique niche in front of us that today isn't really being captured upon. I mean, we have the advantage of being there for five years already, having the infrastructure and the management expertise to execute. So we're going to stay focused right now in the U.S. and make sure that we see those type of returns. Thank you.
In regards to the company's telehealth offering, is that done through a third party or does the company already have existing infrastructure to provide that? Uh, we have existing infrastructure to provide that. So we built, uh, when, when we started about four years, five years ago, uh, building the technology out for the support of our clinics, telemedicine was one of the things that we developed early on as a way to help coordinate certain visits. Now, six months ago, telehealth didn't really have as much application as it did today, or at least as much attractiveness because the reimbursement rates were never the same, the number of services were not the same. So we were limited in our use of technology with telemedicine, but today, obviously, that's changed um, quite significantly. So we continue to evolve our telemedicine platform as we'll continue to do so. Um, we still have our team of in-house developers that work on our technology system. And so I think as the patient needs continue to expand, we'll continue to bolster our technology practice. This way you really can ensure high quality, uh, but also at the same time ensure that you're capturing and you own all the information. There's no potential leak or breach of information through the process. And to end off the presentation, what can investors look forward from CB2 Insights in the next coming months? I think investors can start to look forward to now some steady news flow that's all going to be related to growth of the business. And as I mentioned, the last 12 months was really about as a company focusing on profitability and getting our costs in line. And having achieved that, we're, we're all very excited to get back on the growth uh, wagon again. And, and I think with the first deal that was announced with Texas, it's just an example of future deal flow to come. We're relatively confident that we'll be able to close on a number of these acquisitions before the end of this year. And then as we continue to do so, that news flow will reflect both in the financials, but also will start to reflect in the opportunity for investors to see how that capital gets turned into um, top-line revenue and bottom-line EBITDA. Prad, thank you so much for your time today, and we really appreciate you representing CB2 at the Gravitas Investor Day.